Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. Um, I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, the one that you love the most, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hello, good to be here, as usual. And we are, yeah, and we are joined by an extremely special guest, uh, someone I've followed his work for a while now, is uh, Dr. Russell Moore is with us today. Well, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, before we do anything else, I am supposed to do shout out to our patrons. I forgot the last couple episodes, so let me just reiterate: we extra appreciate everyone over there, um, whether it be Sandra, Don, Aaron. Um, let's see, I probably won't remember everybody. Austin, Russell. Russell. <laughs> yeah, Russell's our longest patron. Shout out to everybody over there. If we forgot you, we'll get you next time. Um, we just appreciate you guys for supporting the show. We couldn't do this without you all. Um, without further ado, we're going to be talking to Dr. Russell Moore about uh, kind of his journey getting to where he's at now. Uh, he works with Christianity Today, so we're going to ask him about what he's doing there, what's led him to his work now, and um, just his thoughts on church unity given today's culture. Um, and of course, before we do, my favorite thing to start the show is one of my favorite forms of unity, uh, silliness, because it's just so hard to argue when you're being silly. So we start the show off with just a silly question. Um, TJ and I will answer first, give you time to think about it, Dr. Moore. Um, and today's question is, what kind of silly hat would you most enjoy seeing on a walrus? And I wrote this long enough ago that I do not remember that question. <laughs> so I need time to think about it too uh tj could you go first yeah uh so i was thinking like the macaroni hat you know just whatever felt you had lying around shape it into a hat put a feather in it call it macaroni the yankee yeah. doodle walrus i, I think <laughs> would be pretty entertaining all right all right a walrus man what a what a question i'm thinking um like uh spongebob sandy like the ridiculous texas cowboy hat where it's like no one in real life would possibly wear it i would enjoy i would enjoy seeing that on a walrus i think yeah the 30 gallon hat yeah yeah 30 gallon <laughs> hat uh dr moore if you had to see a walrus wear a silly hat what silly hat would you like to see I'm not sure how many silly hats I can think of uh, right now. So I would probably uh, probably go a little more minimal, and it would just be surprising to see a walrus with any hat. So let's just say a cabbie hat. That that would be, uh, that yeah. would be my hat. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, every hat Solid becomes <laughs> much more silly when it's on a walrus. So. Sure, yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, to get on with the real show uh, – one thing we believe is extremely helpful for church unity is to hear one another's stories of how we came to know Christ. Uh, would you mind sharing some of your testimony with us? Sure. Uh, I grew up uh, in a very Christian environment. I grew up in the church that my grandfather, uh, who died when I was five, had pastored and uh, had a very supportive uh, congregational family and came to faith. Uh, in childhood, was baptized at 12. Um, and uh, I remember when I realized that the offer of the gospel was not just around me, but was directed to me and was able to repent of sin and, and uh, follow Christ. 
And, um, and then I plunged right into uh, life within that church. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I feel like that's, um, it's a testimony that's really relatable to a lot of people. I think some people think that you have to have the, you know, I, I did drugs for however many years and I think it's helpful for people yeah. to hear. Yeah. There, there's a lot of us who kind of been lifers. So, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. With what it meant for us personally. I, I remember having, when I was teaching a Sunday school class and I was asking people about their, uh, their testimonies. And, and one guy said, I don't really want to give it because it's boring. And uh, I, I said, this is not boring to have God working in the ways that he said he was going to work. But you're right. There's a tendency to uh, we used to have in my home church when there would be testimony time, people sometimes would kind of try to outdo each other. And so yeah. one guy would say, I was an alcoholic and was drunk most of the time. Then next week, uh, someone would say alcohol. I was I was using horse tranquilizer. I mean, so so <laughs> trying to sort of outdo as though uh, it is somehow more remarkable uh, to see God uh, saving you out of one kind of sin from another. And it, it's all of its grace and all of its amazing. Yeah, I not not to dwell on this too long, but I, I do ponder if as readers, if we were to read a story of, you know, Jesus leading a drunk to salvation, as opposed to Jesus leading a Pharisee to salvation, what we'd be more surprised to hear. I feel like we actually might be more surprised to hear the religious leader in that situation coming to salvation. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. just kind of depends on perspective, I guess. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So I'm just gonna, one last thing with this, um, because I do think it's important. Was there a time where I know you said you grew up in the church? What was there a time where you really knew that the faith was your own and not just kind of what you yeah. inherited? Because I know for me that was kind of a struggle too. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a spiritual crisis I went through as a fifteen-year-old. After that, um, where I started wondering uh, because of so many things that I was seeing in Bible Belt America whether Christianity was just a means to an end, Southern culture or politics or, or tribal belonging or whatever. And, uh, and that really sent me into a, a deep crisis. And uh, thankfully, through the writings of C.S. Lewis and some other people, I came through that crisis. And, and after that, sometimes people have said, um, have you ever had that that moment where you're tempted to just walk away from Jesus? And I say no, uh, and I think it's because I was kind of vaccinated <laughs> as a 15-year-old. <laughs> I sort of had already gone through that um, crisis, and I spent a lot of time uh, sort of searching this out. Um, so that that would be the, the most significant uh, thing, and that's one of the reasons why um, – I, I kind of have as a mission in life speaking to those people who are in the situation I was in as a 15 year old who are you know, wondering, is this, is this real or is it just a means to an end? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a question. Um, a lot of people ask, especially with the whole um, deconstruction 
thing, yeah. uh, which, you know, I don't want to call it a fad, but it's, it's something a lot of people are going through right now that um, I, I think it's a legitimate question. Um, speaking of C.S. Lewis, you know, he he talked about how there is the actual questioning of your faith where it's intellectual. And then there's that emotional reaction. He's like, that's two different things. And he says the one thing is actually honorable to really think through what your faith means to you. So, um, yeah, but moving <laughs> moving on, because I know. I need to. Oh man! Uh, and this is something I feel like you you've probably tired of hearing people ask you this because I, I listen to a lot of the podcasts you're on, but you have to ask it. Um, last two years, you've gone on, on a huge journey from the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission for the SBC to now being the director of the Public Theology Project at Christianity Today. Um, just real quick, what can you tell us about that transition? Well, it was uh, something that I considered for some time, uh, thinking that the Lord was uh, leading me into a place of uh, a broader evangelical uh, audience and uh, and group of collaborators. And it, it just became clearer and clearer to me uh, that this was the direction I think he was calling me to go. And so it's been a really exhilarating uh, year, um, not, not quite a year. Um, in uh, in this uh, new uh, life, and I'm loving it. Right. So for a lot of people, it's hard to think about the right time to leave an organization, uh, mm-hmm. especially with the importance that the Bible places on unity. Uh, how do you make sense of the need to separate at these times? Well, I'm not sure that leaving a ministry to go to another ministry is a is a severing or a a lack of um, a lack of unity. I think that almost everybody, even people who stay in the same place uh, for an entire lifetime, that has to be an ongoing decision uh, to make. Is is this really the place where God would have me to be? And I think you ultimately have to ask it in terms of what what it is that you're called to do for the the church, and I mean not just a specific local congregation, but the body of Christ. What what has God called you to do? And if you're in a situation where you say, I'm really not able to do that, um, then then it, it very well may be a time to transition. And one of the problems that I've seen uh, often in ministry is that you have people who you know, I think several years ago, I would see more of kind of people who would hop from one ministry to the other, sort of the kind of problem that Eugene Peterson and others uh, were addressing. Um, but now I find more often people who uh, who don't transition to a new ministry when they should. And then end up in some sort of uh, bitterness or burnout or something else, and uh, and I think that's not healthy for anybody. Right. So, would you say you've been able to maintain a level of unity with believers who are still a part of that previous organization as you move forward with the new projects? Well, in terms of the ERLC, uh, there never was a a lack of unity. Those are uh, those are fantastic uh, people. I. I talk to at least uh, one member, former member of my team, 
uh, every few hours, <laughs> um, <laughs> not not because we have to, but just because uh, we're friends. And the board of uh, trustees there is an unbelievably uh, encouraging and kind and gifted and intelligent uh, group of people. So that's that's still the case. Yeah, All right. and awesome. I think it's important to just highlight that because I mean. A lot of times we question the unity in the church and ask whether or not it's the same as everywhere else. But a lot of times in businesses, even if you just, you know, you leave to just do something better, sometimes old bosses and stuff will hold a lot of um, animosity still. Yeah. And I think it's important to highlight that, you know, we're able to move on, do different things and still recognize that we're working together still just in different capacities. Yeah, that's right. So what exactly is the public theology project that you're heading up at Christian to, or Christianity Today? Well, where Christianity Today, of course, is a global media company. It was founded by uh, Billy Graham and Carl F.H. Henry uh, almost uh, 60 years ago or over 60 years ago. And uh, what I'm doing there is essentially the same thing that I've always been doing, but in a new context of applying the gospel um, to the sorts of questions that, uh, that that Christians are having in this moment. And so that means providing resources, audio, video, written resources on various issues, um, and having a, a, one of the issues that we confront is that of polarization. And so finding ways to model for people what it is to have disagreement without having uh, the, the sort of uh, bloodthirstiness that we often see in American culture and in, and in church culture. And so one of those things is a regular uh, feature that I'm doing uh, with someone who disagrees with me on something. Um, and, and not on, not on something huge um, where it's obvious that I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't think dialogue with somebody about where I'm wrong on the resurrection <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but on something where I actually might, uh, where I actually can uh, listen to someone else's viewpoint. And the rules are that I can't, uh, I can't argue uh, with that person. It's not a debate. Uh, it's instead asking questions to help me to legitimately understand the other viewpoint. And, you know, sometimes what I find myself doing is having the temptation to actually argue a case by the questions I'm asking. And um, my uh, my conversation partner is always free to call me out on that. And several times I've caught myself doing that and called myself out on that. Um, and then to reflect on reflect on how that conversation went, because everybody's going to have to have uh, those sorts of uh, conversations in your in your life. And, and one of the problems that we have right now, I was just uh, reading this in Robert Wright's uh, newsletter, Non-Zero. He was talking about how um, one of the insights that he's seen from social psychology and, and political science is that once people take a public position on something, no matter what it is, it's very hard for them to reconsider it. Uh, it, it, it almost becomes a, a great feeling of vulnerability. 
And what's changed, Wright says, is that over the past several years, everybody has the ability (laughs) to take a public position on something because of social media platforms. And so it's not so much that you have the audience as much as you don't have the time uh, to consider and to reconsider. And I think that's something we should do, even even when we don't agree, but we're able to we're able to not uh, caricature and demonize each other. Yeah, I think it's important that we. Uh, I hate using this kind of terminology, but <laughs> I think it's important that we normalize uh, admitting when we're wrong and telling mm-hmm. people that we changed our mind and not, you know, demonizing someone for changing their mind. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. People change their minds all the time. Yeah, yeah. we all grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah and I, I've even seen that in some um, some situations where you've had maybe a Christian organization that will have somebody who has changed in some way. And people say, yeah, but this person, you know, where were they back in whenever uh, on this? And that, that's not only not a charitable way to act, it also is self-defeating. I mean, what we what we actually want to do is in terms of ourselves to walk in integrity and truth. And that means uh, constantly searching out uh, where my blind spots are, uh, but also because we actually want to persuade people um, of those things that we believe are important. And we shouldn't, when someone is then persuaded, act as though they've betrayed us in some way. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways you can support the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you can always rate this show on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. You can sign up for our newsletter either on our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can share this episode on your own social media. You can donate to our cash app with the tag in the show notes. You could follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, or you could subscribe to this show wherever good podcasts are found. Yeah, especially that last one. That's you know, probably the easiest way to make sure you get all the episodes when they come out. Yeah, and to show us that you really love us. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to the show. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's super important. And, um, Kind of leads into the next question of, um, I know Christianity Today, because I've, I've been following it for a while, um, lost some popularity during some of the comments with uh, President Trump's run. And uh, there was a lot of controversy going over that. I don't want to go over all of that because, you know, why, why dig that back up? <laughs> but but um, I, I do wonder, um, was it difficult to decide to join this at a time where people are still kind of questioning if they're conservative enough, that kind of deal, or is that, did that even equal into the equation for you at all? No, because I, I don't, uh, I don't think that the premise of the question is true. Uh, they, uh, oh, I say we now, but I wasn't there at the time actually picked up uh, members uh, after that. And so it wasn't uh, any kind of a, any kind of a loss. And one of the things that some people who have uh, looked into it have said is that even people who, even many people who disagreed with the editorial position appreciated 
uh, appreciated it, appreciated having uh, an, an open uh, conversation about something. So no, that was, that was obviously not, um, not a problem for, for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you weren't, you weren't around for that part. <laughs> you know, I know well, a lot of people. I wasn't around for that part, but I was also um, very public uh, all along about my own views of the former president and, uh, and that movement. And that's, that's, um, you know, really clear. And so that obviously wouldn't be a problem for me. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's a delicate topic. I know a lot of people said a lot about it one way or the other. I just really appreciated those who were willing to blatantly say where they stood. You know, I don't agree with everything Al Mohler says, for example, but I know he was just very upfront. He did change his mind and he, you know, he was open about why and what he said. And I was like, Hey, as long as we can talk about it, I feel like that's, that's the most important thing. All right. So is there a way that today that magazines like Christianity today can still bring the church together? Or do you think just anything that shows multiple perspectives is just too divisive among, you know, the American church? Well, uh, we're, we're more than a magazine, although we do have the magazine, but uh, also initiatives such as uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill uh, podcast, uh, that Mike Chosper has led uh, global uh, initiatives around the world, and yes, I think there's a there's a unifying um, there's a, a unifying aspect to neither doing PR sort of cover up um, to being self critical as evangelical Christians, um, but also. Uh, loving the the church and uh, and wanting to see the body of Christ uh, built up, and so yes, I think that there there are all sorts of uh, ways that uh, that parachurch organizations like Christianity Today um, and, and others of these institutions that came about um, in the 1940s, 1950s, uh, early 1960s, and then grew out from there. The reason that they were established is because uh, the choices that people had in terms of even connecting with other Christians were very limited uh, to a separatist sort of fundamentalism or uh, mainline uh, Protestant uh, liberalism. And uh, instead, what these institutions said is we want to gather gospel Christians together who might disagree on uh, some secondary or tertiary issues, but who are really united on the primary issues uh, and learn from one another. And I think that that task is even more urgent right now. It's actually something that uh, we kind of, I wouldn't say we model after Christianity Today or anything like that, but the idea of how you guys show different voices and how that shows a picture of the whole church is something that I, I think that mindset is something we've carried into a lot of what we do too. I really appreciate how you guys do that. And um, also Christianity today has a great Twitter account just for those on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think that uh, one of the, I often benefit even from people who disagree. I don't accept their viewpoint, but I can learn from the way that they get to their viewpoint. 
and, and so sometimes there are people who come to a very, very different conclusion than I would come to. But I admire why they're there. I mean, for instance, um, some of my Anabaptist friends are pacifists and think that war is uh, is always wrong. I don't. I'm I'm a just war uh, theorist. I disagree with their position, but I admire the fact that what they're doing is is taking seriously the Sermon on the Mount uh, and, and seeking to live out consistently uh, the ethics of Jesus. I disagree with them about what exactly that entails, but um, I admire and can learn from the motivations. Right. Yeah. There's a um, there's a book series on Amazon that's like uh, different views. I, I forget what the name of the series is, but there's always like four different views on this idea, and they have different writers, each one like representing one. And because um, I mentioned Al Mohler earlier, they had one that was different views on inerrancy. There was five mm-hmm. different views, and it had Al Mohler and Pete Ends. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll just, I'll openly say I disagree with both of them on that topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and man, I gained so much from hearing both of those perspectives. I think it was really cool. They were able to come yeah. together and write that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that sort of the four views, five views, uh, books are helpful, but they often can, they're set up to really be debates, Someone yep. gives a viewpoint, someone else responds to it. And there definitely is a place for that. But there's also a place for something that's not debate. It's it's saying, here's here's where we actually stand together, and here's where we differ. But these are the things that uh, that matter most. I think that that's an important aspect, too. Yeah. Right. For sure. So is is there one question... Uh, that whenever you do these kind of interviews, you just really wish people would ask? I don't know that there's a question that I wish people would ask because often um, often a great deal has to do with context. So I might find myself talking to a group of people who are skeptics, atheists, agnostics. In those cases, uh, what I want them to ask about is not the sort of political and cultural aspects of evangelical Christianity, but a, about Jesus. And one of the things that I've found is that they do. Uh, I was uh, <laughs> teaching this past semester on a very secular campus where almost none of my students uh, were uh, evangelical Christians at all. And Many, if not most of them, had never even met an evangelical Christian until uh, until me. And I was expecting most of their questions to be about sort of Iowa caucuses and Trump and so forth. Um, and that wasn't the case. Uh, they really wanted to understand um, why people who are Christians are um, – are motivated to believe and to think the things that they do. It was, it was really a model, I think for, I I was, I was moved by that, that, that they really Mm. were trying to, uh, trying to really understand the important stuff. And so in those sorts of contexts, what I'm, I'm really hoping to do is to, is to actually talk about Jesus. um, Because I think that so often that's not done. All right. All right. Yeah. So 
I forgot to say what what the you know you talk a lot about um what you're doing with Christianity Today right now and this kind of project of just asking people questions about their beliefs. What would you say is the most fundamental truths that we have to agree on to be considered the church? Well, we have to actually follow Jesus, which means uh, we have to have an understanding on who Jesus is, um, that we have to have an understanding on uh, the fact that he is the revelation of God, that he was crucified for our sins, that he was uh, raised from the dead, the very all of the things that the ancient creeds um, uh, affirmed. And we have to be very clear on what the gospel is, on how a person becomes reconciled to God. And then beyond that, there are going to be lots of questions about how we work together, um, where we we sometimes are going to be in very different places. Um, but I think that the, the main uh, issues of who is God, who is Christ, what is the gospel, um, what does Jesus ask of us in terms of uh, or demand of us in terms of carrying our cross and following him? I mean, those things are all first order. It's, it's, uh, it's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 15. I delivered to you as a first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. I mean, that there, there, is, there is a lot contained in that. Uh, and even um, someone asked me one time, if you, if you were to sum up the entirety of Christianity in a sentence, how would you do it? And I said, I think yeah. I can sum it up in three words, Lord Jesus Christ. If you, if you spend time understanding what all three of those words mean, what is it that Jesus was claiming when he claimed to be Lord? What does it mean when the scripture says, and you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins? What does it mean to say Christ, the anointed one of God, uh, that, that is affirmed in the resurrection from the dead and in the sending of the spirit? I mean, it, th those three words contain everything. Um, it, it just takes some time meditating upon them and seeing them. Yeah, yeah. I think I would agree with all that. And that's, um, it, it's something I think sometimes the it gets lost in the murk of a lot of other stuff is just, if we can agree on some of those older creeds, the other stuff we can disagree on, we can move forward. But as Protestants, sometimes it's, it's hard to want to talk about creeds, you know, um, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm always happy when someone brings it up for me. <laughs> well, I mean, when you think about, uh, when you think about creeds, um, I, I remember uh, being in a place where a pastor um, said that he was very opposed to creeds um, in, in any form. And I just looked at his church sign and said, you have a creed right there. First Baptist <laughs> Church of wherever uh, it was. I mean, that's a creedal statement. Uh, you're affirming that you're a church, not a synagogue, not a mosque. You're, you're affirming that you're a Baptist church, means you have certain views of baptism and, and church membership and so forth. You're in that tradition. 
and you affirm that you're the first one of those <laughs> that was established therapy. That that is a creedal statement, and and actually, uh, creeds can be used in uh, authoritarian and and coercive sorts of sorts of ways. But when creeds are used at their best, what they're doing is actually the opposite of that. What what you're by affirming these are the things that we believe together you're also affirming these are the areas where we might uh, disagree and we're not going to judge one another on those things. So if you think about, uh, for instance, the book of Romans, um, Paul spends a great deal of time in Romans uh, 1 through 13 laying out what what the gospel is, what what it means to uh, to believe in Christ, how, how the things that we have to uh, receive if we're going to be called the people of God and if we're going to be reconciled to God. And then in Romans 14, talks about, uh, talks about issues where the people of God in that, in that uh, church are not to bind one another's consciences. And so creedal statements uh, at their best are unifying both by showing us where the boundaries are of our fellowship but also showing us where the where the areas of our our difference uh, can be without sacrificing our fellowship. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's um, yeah. Thank you for that. That's uh, wise words. Wise words. Um, and to kind of bring it back a little bit, um, we talked about how there are those differences, right? Where we do have the wiggle room. You were talking about. Uh, when it comes to those differences, uh, we, we like to ask our guests, uh, we like to ask everybody if they could just give us one single tangible action that will help maintain the unity in the church across those kinds of differences. Um, if you had to give our listeners just a single action they could take right now to help maintain unity, what would it be? Well, I mean, I think the first thing would be to ask what unity actually is. And uh, sometimes uh, what unity is, is a a weaponized form of simply shutting down uh, conversation or dissent. Um, someone who, uh, for instance, in 1960s uh, Mississippi congregation who says Jim Crow segregation is wrong uh, would have been told, well, that you're disrupting the unity of the church because people are, are arguing. Well, yeah, they're being confronted with uh, sin and a call to repentance of, uh, from sin. Um, sometimes uh, unity is used in, in a way that's not actually what biblical unity is. But then beyond that, I would say it's not anything extraordinary. It's the ordinary um, means of grace, of serving, uh, uh, being served at the Lord's table, of, of serving one another within the context of the church, of exercising uh, one's gifts, and of one of the things that I think is the most unifying thing for the church is actually being evangelistic. And by that, I don't mean having evangelistic programs or necessarily evangelistic training, but having people who really do want and expect to see their neighbors uh, come to faith in Christ and who have confidence in the gospel to do that. Um, I mean, that, uh, that, that is itself a unifying uh, act. 
All right. So yeah. what do you think we would see change if everyone became the perfect evangelical servant? Well, if everyone became a perfect evangelical servant, what we would have seen is the eschaton. Uh, because <laughs> that's, not, that's not going to happen between now and uh, now and then. Um, but I think what what we need to do is to, in some ways, in order to have unity, we need to disunify. Um, for for you know to to create a word here, I guess. Um, because I think sometimes what we want to do is to say, um, we have to have a battle for the soul of my church or of my organization or my movement or my denomination, whatever it is, uh, rather than saying, you know, before one's own master, one stands or falls, Paul says. And so I'm going to carry out uh, what I believe uh, Jesus is is commanding and calling me to do um, and not so much worry about what uh, other people are doing and not doing. There's a there's a limit to that, of course, um, because often things that people are doing in the name of Christ actually then translate into into your own mission field and so forth. But I think as much as possible. That's actually the way forward is by, you know, when, when Billy Graham started out, uh, he had uh, one group of people saying you, you're a sellout because you cooperate with various sorts of Christians. And he had another group of people saying you're, you're backwards because you still hold to um, the, the miraculous and to, and to the, the, gospel the way that it actually is. (laughs) What he tried to do is uh, not to transform fundamentalism or to take over mainline Protestantism. He said, I'm going to carry out my ministry. And it went from there. And I think that's usually the best way. All right. Yeah. So now it's time for uh, what I'm sure is a lot of people's favorite part of the show, uh, but it's our God moment segment. Uh, we just share a moment from recently in our lives where we you know, saw God, whether it be a challenge or a blessing or a moment of worship. And I always make Josh go first because it gives me and our esteemed guest a little extra time to think. Yeah. Yeah. I am um, trying to think about mine. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to go with this. Um, we we do another podcast, uh, TJ and I, and uh, like eight others, um, called Systematic Geekology. It's like a geeky church podcast thing that we do over there, and it, it's relatively new, like two or three months old. And um, there's been challenges with you know figuring out who does what, whose responsibility is what, that kind of thing. And this last week, I just saw a lot of people stepping up and taking ownership of different corners of it and saying, okay, I'll organize this if you do that. And I'll take over this episode if you do that. And just watching people work as a team without, you know, being goaded to work as a team is just, I don't know, it was encouraging for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. All right. Uh, my God moment of the week is, uh, you know, things are going around the Omicron variant, new year's day bug, all that stuff, and working in a food service restaurant, uh, especially one with standards as strict as Chipotle's, 
Uh, people get told they can't work for a little while. And uh, it's happened to quite a few people at our store. Um, but it's been really nice to see others standing up and saying, hey, well, you know, I'll just work like 10 hours this day and I'll cover that. And everyone, you know, joining together to help us as a store. Me notwithstanding. I, don't I didn't do even consider how challenging that this time is for you at the restaurant. Yeah, it's a little tough staying open, yeah. but God provides. Yeah. So, uh, so, Dr. Moore, do you have a God moment for us? Yes. Um, I, I think it was the sense of um, gratitude that I experienced in sending my oldest son uh, off to basic training in the United States Air Force. Um, because we we adopted him when he was a year old uh, from a Russian orphanage, and and to see the young man that he has become, uh, a young man in whom I'm very proud, um, and, and also to see God's faithfulness in carrying him through that time, and just watching, uh, I. I I talked about at the time when we adopted him, how I, him and his brother, how I understood better uh, what the scripture is talking about with the doctrine of adoption, that adopted is not uh, an adjective uh, saying this is a different kind of uh, person. It's a past tense verb telling how someone came into the family. But once they're there, they're joint heirs. They're They're there. I learned a lot about that, about the meaning of brother and the meaning of family. When people would say, you know, uh, which one, which ones are your real children or um, mm. are, are these two that you're adopting? Are they really brothers? I mean, those sorts of questions. I started to better understand why it's so shocking when the Apostle Paul says to a congregation of Jew and Gentile brothers. Um, at, but and now when when the recruiter was going around as they were swearing in and asked the other people there, uh, why are you, why are you joining um, the air force? And people would have different answers. I want to, I want to better myself and learn skills, those sorts of things. And I heard my son say to serve my country. And I thought my country, I mean, this is uh, he's an American and he has a family and he has a church and he has a family of God. Um, it, it just caused me to reflect on all that. Praise God. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you so much for that. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, as always, share it with a friend, share it with an enemy, share it with a cousin. It's up to you. Just share it to at least one <laughs> person. That would help a lot. Yeah. And uh, before we end up, uh, Dr. Moore, where can people find your books and follow your ministry? Uh, ChristianityToday.com or RussellMoore.com would be uh, would be one place, a couple places. Yeah, nice and easy. Pretty easy. That, that gets it gets a lot simpler once you go up the ladder of you know <laughs> social power. It's like oh, myname.com, of course. <laughs> yeah, but uh, some future guests of the show. We have return guest Dr. Trimper Longman the uh, Third um, worked on several of our English Bible translations mm-hmm. including the message nlt and csb and retired professor of biblical studies at westmont college return guest kelly o'sullivan longtime friend of the podcast and anglican minister sam rainier 
uh, president of Church Answers and pastor of the West Bradenton Baptist Church, and maybe at the end of season one, Francis Chan. Yeah, he doesn't know, but he'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> right. We'll just keep saying it till he hears us say it. <laughs> Hopefully, one day he'll learn he's invited and agree. Yeah. But again, thank you so much for your time, audience, and thank you so much for your time, Dr. Moore. And we have just one more thing. For you to answer on here and if anyone else wants to hear it you'll have to go to patreon and slide us a couple dollars under the virtual door so 